Tom Cruise, John Travolta, and Space Aliens. Today, we're going to be talking about Scientology. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. On a time, 75 million years ago, there was an alien galactic ruler named Xenu. Xeno was in charge of all the planets in this part of the galaxy, including our own planet Earth. Except in those days, it was called Tijiak. Now, Xenu had a problem. All of the 76 planets he controlled were overpopulated. Each planet had an average 178 billion people. He wanted to get rid of all the overpopulation, so he had a plan. Xenu took over complete control with the help of renegades to defeat the good people and the loyal officers. Then, with the help of psychiatrists, he called in billions of people for income tax inspections, where they were instead given in injections of alcohol and glycol mixed to paralyze them. Then they were put into space planes that looked exactly like DC-8s, except they had rocket motors instead of propellers. These DC-8s, space planes, then flew to planet Earth where the paralyzed people were stacked around the bases of volcanoes in their hundreds of billions. When they had finished stacking them around, then H-bombs were lowered into the volcanoes. Xenu then detonated all the H-bombs at the same time, and everyone was killed. The story doesn't end there, though. Since everyone has a, a soul called a Thetan in this story, then they had to trick the souls into not coming back again. So while the hundreds of billions of souls were being blown around by the nuclear winds, he had special electronic traps this is Xenu. He had special electronic traps that caught all the souls in the electronic beams. <laughs> these electronic beams were like sticky flypaper. After he had captured all these souls, he had them packed into boxes and taken to a few huge, these had to have been fairly big, huge cinemas. There, all the souls had to spend days watching special 3D motion pictures that told them what life should be like and many confusing things. In this film, they were shown false pictures and told they were God, the devil, and Christ. In this story, this process is called in-planning. When the films ended and the souls left the cinema, these souls started to stick together because since they had all seen the same film, they thought they were the same people. They clustered in groups of a few thousand now, because there were only a few living bodies left, they stayed as clusters and inhabited these bodies. As for Xenu, the loyal officers finally overthrew him and they locked him away in a mountain on one of the planets. Uh, actually, I've heard that it is, in fact, this planet, but moving on. He's kept in by a force field powered by an eternal battery and Xenu is still alive 
today. Guys, that is the story of Scientology. Welcome. This is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. And today we're going to be talking about Scientology. Uh, as you can see, th guys, that is the foundational story of Scientology. Um, it is a cult and it is very science fiction. Um, I think that's appropriate. It is started by a man, L. Ron Hubbard. He's a science fiction author. Uh, he's written uh, profusely on the subject of science fiction. Uh, in fact, he was a he was a science fiction uh, pulp fiction writer for many years of his life. We'll get into L. Ron Hubbard shortly, but yes, I did make a claim that this is a cult. It most certainly is. Uh, if you check out my series on signs of a cult, uh, Scientology nails almost all of them. But uh, in my opinion, friends. This has to be the most bizarre cult out there. I, I have never uh, seen anything more strange in my life. Uh, and, and, I, and so I need to apologize up front. Um, if at any time I fall into um, laughter or, uh, you know, ridicule or anything along those lines, I apologize right up front. Uh, sometimes I've tried so hard to change my character and sometimes it still shines through. Um, this is, it, it's just such a strange belief system that you can't help but chuckle sometimes. I, if you look at this story that, that I just read, uh, this is kind of the foundational story. You, you have this situation taking place uh, long ago and far away, 75 million years ago, uh, there's this alien galactic empire ruled by this evil tyrant named Xenu. Um, and Xenu had this problem. He had 76 planets that were overpopulated. Each one of these planets had an average of 178 billion people. Uh, and so Xenu, taking control, he uh, gets the help of psychiatrists. And he calls all these people in. See, there I go. I was chuckling. Sorry. Calls all these people in for income tax inspections. Uh, it almost sounds like something you find in the Bible. Anyway, and he paralyzes them. He gives them injections of alcohol and glycol, which ends up causing them to be paralyzed. He loads them onto these DC 8 looking space planes and flies them to Tegiac, Earth. And uh, he stacks them by the billions around uh, these volcanoes, okay? And then lowers H-bombs into the volcanoes and detonates these H-bombs. The H-bombs go off. All these people get blown up, but their Thetans, I, I know it sounds a whole lot like Satan's, uh, these Thetans, which in Scientology is pretty much synonymous with a soul, if you will, okay? Um, they're all flying around, wondering what in the world is going on, right? And so Xenu uses these electronic beams that are sticky like flypaper. And as these souls are blowing around in the wind, they kind of bzzz, and they get stuck in the flypaper. And Xenu uh, is able then to gather up these Thetans. He then herds them into these giant theaters and uh, brainwashes all of these Thetans, these souls, with uh, a new way of thinking. 
<clears throat> and and uh, in the process, they end up uh, hearing, okay, quote unquote, lies uh, about the about God, the devil, and Jesus Christ. That's interesting. So they're implanted. This process is called implanting. They're implanted with all of these false memories. Okay. And then these Thetans are then set loose. They clump together and then they start um, uh, attaching to bodies. It almost sounds like uh, something you would see uh, in, in hyper charismatic circles where they believe that uh, demons are constantly attaching to people, which, you know, there, there is something, certainly there is something to that. Uh, we know that that is biblical, that the demons will attach to people and uh, will cause much problems. Um, I've, I think I've talked about this a little bit in the past. I've experienced uh, some of these type situations. Uh, but whatever the case, um, these Thetans, they will attach to people and um, will influence your way of thinking. We'll get into that a little bit more as we move on here. Uh, but yes, this movement, Scientology, certainly does match signs of a cult. They do have one single human leader who kind of calls the shots, the dogma, you know, the, the theology, if you will, even though it's not really theology, but their, their belief system, their rules. Uh, the, the, this cult is very abusive to its members. There is, uh, and we'll talk about all this stuff, there is a, a mind control over its members. Uh, if the members, uh, people who join this cult and get heavily influenced, okay, if you're just kind of a, a surface kind of dabbler, checking it out. You don't see this kind of stuff. But if you get involved heavily with this movement, uh, you will be isolated from the rest of the world, from your friends, from your family. Those set, those ties are severed. Uh, if you question this movement, if you question the dogma, the beliefs of Scientology, uh, those questions will be discouraged, suppressed, and you might even be labeled a suppressive person. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. That is a bad thing if you're labeled a suppressive person. Uh, some people will be removed from this cult. Those who are removed are demonized. Uh, and those who leave the cult are demonized. And so if you're a member of this cult and somebody leaves a cult, you are not to associate with this defector, this, <laughs> this heretic, if you will, this suppressive person. So, right. It is a strange movement. Uh, you might know of Scientology because of some of its sub celebrity members and Scientology is known for um, roping in celebrities. And so people like uh, Christy Alley, uh, Tom Cruise, you know, the Mission Impossible guy or the Top Gun guy, if you're old like me. Um, John Travolta, also Scientology. Um, and there's so many more. They're, they are known for attracting celebrities and then using them to bring in other people. Okay. Also, Scientology is known for its aggressive litigation. And man, is that, I mean, it is so true. Uh, when you look at their history, <laughs> and we'll talk about this a little bit more in detail later, but they are known for um, 
if you speak ill of their movement, if you try to expose them, at least in the past, uh, they've been known to sue people and uh, they will sue them silly. They will sue them out of house and home. They will do everything, anything and everything to take down their um, opposition. Another tactic of Scientology is to go after people's websites. And I think we'll mention that a little bit more later too. Uh, Scientology, oddly enough, they're the only group who has successfully gone after the IRS and, and really caused the IRS a lot of grief. One of their tactics is just to steamroll. Remember that series I did on uh, um, witnessing even when you're in over your head, the steamroller tactic? Uh, a lot of people use it. It's when you just repeatedly go after somebody and you give them so many objections, so much, uh, so much uh, um, opposition that there, there's just no way in the world they can possibly answer all the questions and defend themselves uh, on all the fronts. Well, um, Scientology will do this against people that, that, that oppose them. They will bring all kinds of false accusations against them. And they will just steamroll them with so many false ac accusations, litigation, so much uh, that the person who is opposing Scientology will throw up their hands and basically give up. They're, they just they can't handle it all. Uh, and they give up. They, they get tired and they decide not to attack the group. Um, with uh, some more um, um, righteous programming, such as South Park, um, tongue-in-cheek, that show you should not watch. It is very bad. But South Park is actually one of the first um, groups, if you will, that show who brought opposition to Scientology was critical of their claims and their beliefs. And at the end of the show, apparently they said, and I haven't seen this. I think I've seen parts of it on, on YouTube or something. But they basically at the end of the show said, sue me. You know, challenging Scientology. Scientology didn't do anything. And that's when it was like the cork was popped out of the bottle and articles started coming out left and right that were critical of Scientology's worldview and all of the craziness, the scandals and the things that have been going on. It is, it probably is also the most scandalous group out there as well, as you will see as we move on. But uh, anyway, um, Scientology boasts of about 8 million people in membership worldwide, at least they did as of 2005. I'm not really sure where their numbers are now, uh, but <clears throat> there are many people who uh, argue that this is not a factual uh, figure and that that's actually including people who simply just took the introductory course to Scientology or people that came in off the street to do one of their um, character tests. Uh, we'll talk about that quite a bit as we go here. Uh, but they will get out on the streets and their form of evangelism. They'll try to rope you in to come into their clinics and uh, sit down and, and be asked many questions. And, uh, well, we'll get into that as we go. Uh, the movement was started by L. Ron Hubbard, born in March 13th, 1911. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, he was a very popular uh, pulp fiction author in the 30s and 40s. Uh, but things seemed to take a turn during a science fiction convention in New Jersey, somewhere around 1949. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard said this, 
Uh, in front of an audience, he, he announced, writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. If a man really wanted to make a million dollars, the best way would be to start his own religion. One year later, L. Ron Hubbard released Dianetics, which is basically seen as the Bible for Scientology. It's, it's their book, their scriptures. And it is Dianetics, the full title, Dianetics, A Modern Science of Modern Health. Uh, just a few years after that, the first Church of Scientology was opened in California. Uh, that was February 18th of 1954. Now, going back to, to this Dianetics, uh, it was originally intended to be a new psychotherapy, uh, and it was not expected to become the foundation for a new religion. Hubbard defined this Dianetics as a spiritual healing technology and an organized science of thought. Now, he did submit papers outlining these principles in this book, Dianetics, uh, to the Journal of American Medical Association and the American Journal of Psychiatry in 1949. All of it was rejected. Every time his methods uh, of, of helping people out have been reviewed by various uh, psychiatry associations, medical communities, and the like, they have all been completely outright rejected and denounced as anything scientific. Now, uh, just because they denied it and rejected it, I guess is not necessarily um, a good argument for denying uh, L. Ron Hubbard's uh, um, techniques. You know, as we've seen with uh, just a few weeks back, guest uh, Valerie Ellis talking about biblical counseling and psychiatry, um, most of the techniques used by Christians to help people find healing, which are amazingly effective, the scriptures do not come back null and void, uh, as we've seen, uh, but the medical community outright uh, rejects using biblical truths as well. So uh, I guess that's not the best argument for denying uh, the techniques used by L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. But as we get into them and you see what they're doing, it, it is really strange. It's built on a faulty foundation. Uh, and so it's not going to work. Uh, psychosomatically, you know, people uh, just like taking sugar pills will believe that there's something in there and it will somehow show results statistically statistically. Uh, just like that, L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology and, and the techniques that they use to help people will produce some results, but uh, really it's nothing more than a sugar pill. It is psychosomatic in nature. You believe that you're being helped. You believe, you believe that you're getting these uh, thetans removed. I'll talk about that very soon here but you believe you're getting the stuff removed from you and somehow it does have a, a positive effect on some people. But anyway, yeah, that's, we're going to get into the beliefs and practices of Scientology soon enough. A little bit more about L. Ron Hubbard. This is what his own bio, bio says of himself. It's, it's quite flattering. In fact, uh, it says he traveled extensively in Asia as a young man, he studied science and mathematics at George Washington University, University, graduating from Columbian College. He attended Princeton University and Sequoia University, 
crippled and blind at the end of the war, this would be World War II, he resumed his studies of philosophy and by his discoveries recovered so fully that he had reclassified in 1949 for full combat duty. Okay, so apparently he's claiming that his techniques healed him of being crippled and blind. Anyway, it was a matter of medical record that he had been, he has been twice pronounced dead. And in 1950, he was given a perfect score on mental and physical fitness reports. Sounds pretty good. Uh, but when you get to know the writings of L. Ron Hubbard and, the, and those who actually knew him, uh, you find that most of everything he said of himself is pure fantasy. Guys, I hate to say it this way, and I don't mean to poison the well here, but L. Ron Hubbard was a pathological liar. Uh, it is just one thing that character, characterized his life the most is his pathological lying, constantly coming up with stories. And so much has been written about this man uh, from people who lived around him, who knew him personally, who walked with him day to day and uh, have written about him and said, you know, for a long time, I thought this guy was for real. And the more I, more time I spent with him, the more I realized he was, uh, yeah, perhaps a little bit brilliant, very articulate, but completely mad and a pathological liar. Um, some interesting, in fact, uh, one book that I listened to on Audible. Guys, I have to tell you, um, well, this is probably one of the best books I have heard on the subject. I say heard because I didn't read it. Um, having said that, it, it coming from a Christian standpoint, it's vulgar. I'm just going to tell you this book has a lot of vulgar quotes. And the reason being is because they are quoting L. Ron Hubbard. This is not a Christian book. It is just a book exposing the, the insanity, the nonsense, uh, and the cult-like things that, that happened in Scientology. It covers the history of Scientology, talks about L. Ron Hubbard. It talks about many of the other uh, very important characters within Scientology, uh, L. Ron Hubbard's wives, people like Jack Parsons, Alistair Crowley, uh, 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 David Miscavige, which is now the new uh, leader of Scientology. Uh, it really just covers everything. This book is called Going Clear. Um, again, if you're going to get this book, that, that's all fine and dandy, but I'm just telling you right now, it is vulgar. There are many curse words. And so I, I just want to give you that heads up, that warning. Uh, this is not a book for children. Um, it gets pretty out of control at times, but it tells you the story of L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology, and it tells it very well. It gets into their beliefs. It gets into everything. It gets into all the scandals that the church has been involved in. And man alive, the scandals that these guys get involved in will blow your mind. Uh, what I'm hoping to do is get, and, and there's many of them out there. I've, I've, I've now have a small list of various people that I'd like to interview who are experts on Scientology. Um, thus far, I have not been able to find one of them that is actually a Christian. And I'm hoping to find one who is an expert, somebody who has been a part of Scientology for a good chunk of their life. 
and have since come out and gotten saved. But I do plan on getting somebody on who is, you know, an ex-Scientologist who has been on the inside, has been uh, hopefully uh, higher in the ranks and have has experienced a lot of the stuff firsthand. That would be exciting and informative. So, um, you know what? If any of you know of somebody who has who fits those qualifications, somebody who has been involved but hasn't just been involved, they were actually somewhat of a high-ranking member within Scientology and have since come out and gotten saved. I would love to find out what their name is and how I can get a hold of them. Uh, whatever the case, if it comes down to it, I will bring on somebody who is not a believer who will talk about this stuff just because I want you guys to see what it's like inside this movement. But anyway, going back to L. Ron Hubbard, um, there's many books out there that expose, you know, that, that flattering bio that I just read, uh, just exposing the flaws uh, in, in L. Ron Hubbard's life and, and the things he did. Uh, there are Russell Miller's book, Barefaced Messiah, The True Story of L. Ron Hubbard. There is a form, former Scientologist, Bent Corden's L. Ron Hubbard, Messiah or Madman. Um, both of those books, great resources on Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard, but just a, a few kind of interesting little facts. Uh, the, the bio that mentioned that L. Ron Hubbard was traveling Asia. Uh, actually he was in high school in America during the time that he claims he was traveling Asia. Um, the, the fact that he claims he was crippled, he was never crippled. He was never blinded. And he was never wounded in World War II. These are all things that are exposed in these books. And he definitely was not pronounced dead twice. Again, just a bold-faced lie. He claims to have attended Sequoia University. Uh, that has... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. That has since been discovered to be a, a diploma mill. It's not a school. It's been closed down because of that. Uh, and so, yeah, just, you know, interesting things about his character. And as we move on and look at this belief system and this cult, you're going to see more and more that there, there's some major problems here. Uh, the whole movement, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder, was a pathological liar, but the movement itself has taken on the character of its leader. And the new leader right now, David Miscavige, uh, is, is really not much different than L. Ron Hubbard in how he handles things. Uh, there's a lot of criminal activity that happens within this movement at the higher ranks. Oh, yeah, yeah, here's something else. L. Ron Hubbard uh, ha at times has claimed or called himself a nuclear physicist. Um, thing is, he's not a nuclear physicist. Uh, in fact, he failed his only class on molecular and anatomic physics far from being a nuclear physicist. Um, a little bit more about his character. And again, I'm not trying to poison the well here, but I just want to give you an idea of what kind of guy you're dealing with. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard also, while married to his wife, Margaret Grubb Hubbard, pretended to be a bachelor to uh, a Sarah Northrup and ended up marrying her. Okay, so in other words, he was married to two different women at the same time. This is a matter of history. This is a matter of fact. 
It's, it's not something that can be debated. He actually <laughs> pretended to be a bachelor and married another woman while he was still married to his first wife. Now, this second wife, Sarah Northrup, uh, he divorced her too. They, they ended up having a divorce there. Uh, she claimed uh, sleep deprivations, beatings, strangulations, kidnapping of her child and fleeing to Cuba and uh, Ron counseling her to commit suicide. And I guess something else that's a little bit interesting, worth mentioning, is that uh, um, Sarah and L. Ron Hubbard actually met uh, when L. Ron Hubbard was visiting Jack Parsons, the occultist Jack Parsons, friends of Aleister Crowley. And Sarah was actually with Jack Parsons. They were a couple... And uh, L. Ron Hubbard apparently charmed Sarah enough to uh, leave Jack and marry him. Later, Hubbard married another woman, his third marriage, uh, uh, Mary Sue Whip. Uh, and this Mary Sue Whip was involved with some interesting uh, scandals as well. Probably one of the most uh, crazy scandals I've ever heard of coming from a cult was this Operation Snow White, where the cult of Scientology carried out covert operations uh, against the U.S. government, and they were able to infiltrate uh, so many different levels of the government to carry out this operation, to blot out uh, uh, certain things about their movement. They ended up getting caught. Mary Sue Whip went to prison. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard somehow made it out of that without uh, uh, ending up spending any, any time in prison. I, I really want to get into that, but honestly, I want to get into that, but I've already blown quite a bit of time talking about various things about L. Ron Hubbard here, and I haven't even gotten to the beliefs of Scientology too much yet. So uh, that one, I will save that, and some of the scandals of this movement and some un other interesting stuff about this movement for when we do a follow-up uh, study on this with a guest, because that that is some interesting, fascinating stuff. I mean, it is stuff that spy spy novels are made out of. I mean, it, it is just unbelievable the things they pulled off uh, in the name of Scientology during this Operation Snow White. Okay, so let's actually get into some of the beliefs here. Uh, the mind, as far as the mind goes, uh, the mind is divided into three divisions, okay? Uh, according to Scientology, there's three divisions of the mind. There is the analytical mind, uh, and this, this mind is the mind, the part of the mind that works like a perfect computer. It never makes m mistakes. It is the eye of a person. Uh, it is the part of the mind where rational uh, decisions are made, the rational mechanism, which is responsible for consciousness. Okay, It is the good part of the mind. It is the part of the mind that does everything that is rational, which is thinking, which is, you know, calculating. Okay. It's the part of the mind that we want to all develop, right? Then moving on, there is this second part. This is the reactive mind. It works on a stimulus response basis. Uh, some liken the reactive mind to the subconscious. Okay. The reactive mind is thought to absorb all pain and emotional trauma 
And then the reactive mind holds these mental pictures, images of this trauma or these past experiences. Scientology calls these uh, uh, mental pictures, these images of past experiences, Scientology calls them engrams. That is going to be a term that's going to be used a lot as we go on here. These engrams are apparently the single source of aberrations and psychosomatic ills. Okay, the third part, the somatic mind, uh, it's directed by the reactive and analytical minds. The somatic mind controls the body on a physical level. Uh, the somatic mind keeps the body regulated and functioning. In, in other words, it keeps your, your body ticking. All right, so how does this all work together? Why is this even important? Why is this even uh, worth mentioning in this study? Well, this forms the foundation of why Scientology does what it does. Uh, so there's this battle that seems to somewhat take place in your mind. It occurs when the reactive mind interferes with the analytical mind, okay? You want the analytical mind to be at the wheel, controlling you, right? The reactive mind uh, can cause what some Scientologists call a moment of unconsciousness, a person can be fully awake and functioning during these moments of unconsciousness, but when this happens, the reactive mind will take a mental snapshot of everything that is happening and will store it. These snapshots, again, are called engrams. These engrams will then influence you to react in certain ways to certain stimulus. Uh, Hubbard says it this way. Suppose, as an example of an engram and its effects on the spirit, Mr. A has a tonsillectomy. <laughs> During the operation, the surgeon, who wears glasses, comments angrily to a clumsy nurse, you don't know what you're doing. Mr. A recovers. A few months later, Mr. A, a bit tired during a hard day at the office, has an argument with his employer, who happens to also wear glasses, who says, you don't know what you're doing. Mr. A suddenly feels dizzy, stupid, and gets a pain in his throat. There is installed a disc of conditioned semantic response, which affects the thetan. All right. And so there you see L. Ron Hubbard basically saying, okay, so you have this traumatic event happen to you, or it doesn't necessarily have to be a traumatic event. You have some event that happens to you. Your reactive mind takes a snapshot of this event and certain things that happen during this event. Okay. And then later on in life, something very similar happens, almost like a deja vu moment, but things are a little bit different. Now your reactive mind takes control or interferes with the analytical mind and what would have been more of a, a, a calculated, analytical, rational response from you can get muddied from these engrams, from these snapshots that somehow got stuck inside of your, you know, the hard drive of your brain, okay? And it's messing up how you should normally react to certain stimuli. The solution here is to somehow get rid of these engrams, these reactive mind snapshots of other events that are influencing your analytical thinking, your ability to make good analytical decisions. Okay, so, and we're going to get into in just a minute here how they do this. Uh, but the state of man, let's talk about that really quick. Uh, mankind is an immortal being 
called a Thetan. Again, not a Satan. This is a Thetan. Uh, these Thetans are not originally from Earth. Uh, man is trapped by matter, energy, space, and time. Scientology calls this MEST. Okay, M-E-S-T, MEST. Matter, energy, space, and time. Uh, we're trapped by these things. And so Scientology gets a lot of their theology from uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, believe it or not. Uh, you, you'll see that as we go here because they believe in reincarnation. Salvation for a Scientologist comes through a process called auditing. We're going to talk about this in a couple minutes where uh, they... Uh, through auditor questions, the auditor will guide them through this these questions and conversation to consciously re-experience painful or traumatic events in their past in order to free themselves of the limiting effects of these events. Okay, so this is how they get cleared of these engrams. Uh, again, engrams being these snapshots from. Uh, uh, previous events of the reactive mind. But here's the thing. Then you tie into this whole auditing process, the concept of reincarnation, because these engrams don't necessarily have to be from this life. <laughs> they can be engrams or memories from previous lives. All right. And so the goal is from these auditing sessions to clear a person of all of these, uh, Engrams, these limiting factors, these memories that screw up your analytical clear thinking. Okay. Each one of these sessions to go in and speak to an auditor, uh, it's a fee for service basis. They call it a donation. It's a lot more than a donation. It starts, it, well, they call it a fixed donation. <laughs> and these, with each audit, uh, there is higher and higher costs associated. So when you start out, it's fairly cheap. It's no big deal. In fact, I think they give you the first one or two of them for free. Okay. But with each excessive time you go in to get another level of clear, um, it costs you more and more and more. And that is why uh, this faith has become, uh, oh my goodness, it has been a cash cow. Uh, it can cost people hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a state of clear from Scientology, okay? Uh, it makes sense now why this is a celebrity religion because you got to have some dough. you got to have some money to pull this off. And just like typical cults, they'll talk people into mortgaging their house. Uh, I mean, you know, selling off whatever inheritance they have, uh, whatever savings they have, they'll cash in and just to reach this state of clear. And I mentioned here that mankind is trapped by space, energy, uh, matter, and time. Messed. Okay. Matter, energy, space, and time. I said it out of order. I got to get it consistent here. But um, if you reach a state of clear, uh, you will gain superpowers because you will have escaped matter, energy, space, and time messed. Okay. And Hubbard claims that you will actually, I mean, you will develop certain almost superpowers, X-Men powers over the world around you because you will have escaped it. Um, now really quick, I want to talk about this electro psychometer. 
this e-meter that they use during these auditing sessions. Uh, in the early days, it, it really, it, it, it resembled almost like a lie detector test. Okay, you had this box that kind of measured electrical activity, uh, and then you would be, you would have to hold these little cans and they're kind of like the little V8 cans that you can get at the store, the little ones. And then they have a wire going back. And resistance then is measured between the cans, I guess. Uh, you know, a small current is passed through them. And then there's resistance is measured through these cans. And so then the auditor will ask you questions. And as he's asking questions, he's looking for the needle to a move uh, on his uh, e-meter and that, okay, so the, the, the needle moves some kind of electrical resistance in your body, and therefore he has touched on some kind of an engram, okay? Then he'll start probing and asking more questions around th this, you know, whatever he found, whatever thing he was asking about. It almost has an air of scientific uh, nature to it. You know, it, it almost sounds like there's something there to it, but really, no. I'm sorry, but no. Um in fact, it's kind of, um, I guess, a little bit humorous. Uh, at one point, the FDA raided some offices and confiscated all their e-meters because uh, Scientology was claiming they were medical devices. Uh, and now now they have to refer to them. Oh, boy, uh, don't quote me on this, but something along the lines of a, a religious device. Uh, they're not allowed to call them a medical device anymore. Uh, in fact, yeah, they, they are... Yeah, in fact, Scientology claims that they are purely religious artifacts now. And so you go in, you sit down, the auditor asks you all these questions, and every time he sees that needle move, that means he's got to keep probing and asking questions because he's discovered some engrams, and he will keep questioning and questioning and probing and probing and, and, and asking until he receives no reading on his e-meter. At that point, it is assumed that uh, you have been cleared of that particular engram, okay? Because you're no longer responding. You're no longer showing some kind of electrical resistance uh, through these little tin cans that you're, be, you're being forced to hold. Um, they call this process the bridge to total freedom. Uh, and, and again, it is, it is really, it is the quest to becoming clear uh, once you become clear, all kinds of amazing things happen uh, to you. And, um, well, we'll get into that a little bit more next week. It looks like I'm starting to run out of time here. So, yeah, wow. Uh, sorry about all the rabbit trails. I, th there's just so much to talk about here. It's such a strange belief system Scientology is. Uh, and so, yeah, next week we'll get into a lot more about what they believe on a, a whole host of different areas, different topics and uh, more on some of the scandals that happened. I don't want to get too in-depth on the scandals just yet because I think I would rather have somebody who has, uh, again, spent a lot of time within the ranks of Scientology and has experienced some of these things going down. Man, that would be fascinating. So anyway, yeah, uh, next week we will finish off this series on Scientology. I'm pretty sure I can be able to pound out the rest of this in, in 45 more minutes. So uh, I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Sing it out loud, Declaration!